Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we hear the startling story of the father with his child who was demon-possessed. And we hear the apostles who tried in vain to remove this from the boy asking our Lord, why couldn't, this, why couldn't we take this out? To which they were, our Lord responded, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Is the season of prayer and fasting. So it's a fitting gospel reading for us. And there's been lots of talk about fasting, and I'm sure even among our families and friends, talking about different recipes, things we can do for the fast. So today I'd rather talk about prayer. It's also fitting because today is the leave-taking of the Feast of the Annunciation of the Theotokos, which we celebrated yesterday for those of you who were able to be with us. And that feast day is a, a day in which we remember the Theotokos and her great life of prayer. Because as we know, as a young child, she was praying in the temple. And, she was, and it said in the, the Gospel of Luke about how she pondered these things in her heart, meaning she prayed, not she was thinking with her intellect and rational mind. But before I talk about prayer, I want to give a little image. Last summer, when I was blessed to go to the Holy Land, we visited the city of Tiberias. And Tiberias is on the Sea of Galilee. It's uh, sort of a resort town. And so right along the waterfront, there are all these restaurants and nightclubs and bars and that kind of thing. And we went there during the day to have lunch at one of the restaurants. And as we're walking down to the waterfront, we passed this huge stone wall on the right side, probably two stories tall. And this stone wall has nothing on it except there are these two metal doors that have a T with a circle under it. And that's the symbol of the, the patriarch of Jerusalem. And this huge stone wall was the wall to a monastery, the Monastery of the Holy Apostles, which is right there on the waterfront next to all the restaurants and the bars. Why do I mention this? Because two weeks ago I talked about the noose, which is our God-sensing capacity of our soul. And our noose needs to be guarded. Like that monastery with walls and metal doors to block out all of the distractions of life, like those restaurants and nightclubs. The things in our life the cares of life, as we say, worldly cares, however we want to describe them. All the things that don't matter on the day of our death, if you want to separate it out a little bit. The things that don't matter on the day of our death. What doesn't matter on the day of our death? Most of the things that we concern ourselves with. And so to understand prayer, we need to have that image of that monastery in Tiberias because our noose is so often swept away with worldly cares and anxieties. And the church continually reminds us to come back to our noose, back to our heart. Even in the cherubic hymn, which we're about to sing, we sing, let us lay aside all worldly cares. And the church reminds us this again and again within the prayers, within the worship services. 
How often do we say, let us be attentive, let us attend? It's like saying, wake up. <coughs> Whatever you're thinking about right now, yes, in the middle of the service, wake up. Give your attention. Because constantly our mind is like a dog running around after different scents. What's the latest thing that we're smelling and running after? So we have to pull it back with the leash of our noose. St. Paisios, and I'll quote him quite a bit today. He says this, If we seek above all the kingdom of heaven, and that's all we care for, the rest will be given to us. That should sound biblical. If we become forgetful, then not only do we waste our time, but we waste our very own self. When we remain mindful and prepared of the next life, then this life, too, will become more meaningful. When we start thinking of the next life, nothing is the same anymore. But if all we think about is how to make this a comfortable life, then not only are we miserable, but we end up weary and condemned. Do not be overwhelmed with anxiety and be possessed by the thought that now we must do this, next we must do that, and so on. Because this way, Armageddon will come and you'll still be hard at work. Even doing things with anxiety is demonic. That clearly reminds us of the gospel reading today. We have to understand that anxiety is a demon that is at work inside of us. We must work to guard our hearts. Today in Theology 101, I'll be talking a little bit more about prayer and about the experience at, at St. Anthony's Monastery this last weekend with those who came with us. But we must keep our focus on Christ and on the kingdom of God. Our noose needs to be directed towards its God-given purpose. Think of it like any of our other senses. We could go around smelling trash and smelling putrid things, or we could use our nose for the things that it's intended for, for smelling all the beautiful scents, for having it warn us of things that are going wrong. Our sense, our noose, is the same way. We use it in its God-given direction towards Christ himself. Because if we don't tune in to Christ, as St. Paisio says in another passage, we'll appear to be living near him, but inside we'll still carry the mindset of this world. And we might end up, I'm afraid, like the foolish virgins, he says. Because after all, we are all here in church, right? So in an outward sense, we're pursuing Christ. But what is happening inside of us? St. Paisio says, the wise virgins did not only have kindness, they also had the right kind of mindfulness. Unlike the foolish virgins that were careless, they were on guard and vigilant. This is why the Lord gave them the solemn warning, be awake, be watchful. The, they were the virgins who were not foolish. But the foolish ones, on the other hand, this is the symbolism of the, the parable of the virgins. The oil that they didn't bring with them, that was the pursuit of virtues, the pursuit of Christ. Those who were prepared had been pursuing Christ, had been preparing for his coming. Meanwhile, those who were not were pursuing worldly cares. This parable of the ten virgins we also come back to during Holy Week on one of the bridegroom services early in the week. 
And in that bridegroom service, we have the hymn that we all know so well that talks about vigilance. It says, Behold, the bridegroom comes in the middle of the night, and blessed is the servant whom he shall find vigilant. And unworthy is he whom he shall find heedless. Beware, therefore, O my soul, that you not be overcome with sleep, lest you be given up to death and shut out of the kingdom. Wherefore, rouse yourself, crying, Holy, holy, holy are you, our God. Through the Theotokos, have mercy on us. That vigilance is what we need. We need to keep guard of our noose. This is actually the primary and most central thing of our entire life. Because everything that you do in your life, most of them, they're things you need to do. You need to take care of your loved ones, you need to go to work, you need to come to church, you need to do all these different things. But what is happening inside when you're in the midst of all of those things? It'd be nice if we could all go run off to a monastery and have a very regimented life, although trust me, there are still many temptations there. But we have this life in the world, it doesn't mean that we have to be living like the world and living in our mind, always running around from this thought to the next thought, worried and anxious. This is what we would call being asleep spiritually. Even though we're going through our life, we're actually asleep because we're not actually aware of God's presence. We're not seeking God. We're just doing our work, doing our this, doing our that, like St. Paisios, going from this to that to the next thing and the next. And in fact, we're asleep on the inside. St. Isaac said very uh, memorably, he said, it is not true that all those who are living are alive, nor that all those who are in the ground are dead. Are we those who are living and alive or dead even though we're living? We must be vigilant so that we're not swept away by our anxieties because when we're anxious, we lose focus on Christ. There's a famous gospel passage about someone who is anxious. Who was it? Martha, 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 you're anxious and worried about many things. One thing is needful. Those two sisters of Lazarus who, who had Christ in their house, this great and important person in their house, and Martha was just trying to be hospitable. She was trying to do the things that were needed in the house. And Mary, meanwhile, wasn't helping her. Right? And so she comes to Christ with presumption. You see that my sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her, therefore, to come and help me. What is Martha doing? She's bossing our Lord, right? <laughs> she didn't even say, can you please? She said, tell her, therefore. She also didn't have it in her mind that what Mary could be doing is actually a good thing. So, of course, whatever Mary's doing is wrong, is bad, and she needs to be corrected about this. We can all relate to Martha very much. How do we relate to Mary? Because sometimes we think of the Mary in that gospel as, that's my time when I'm at my prayer altar at home, when I'm before my icons. And yes, that's true. That is a most essential, essential part of our daily life, is a time of quiet, of setting aside all earthly cares in a very physical way, going into a quiet place and praying. That certainly is like Mary. But it's actually much bigger than that. 
Because to be like Mary is something that we should be doing all day, every day. Now that's hard. How can my noose be focused on Christ when I'm at work? When I'm going to run errands? When I have people around me with lots of needs? How can I keep my noose centered upon Christ? Again, we'll talk about it a little bit more in Theology 101, but we have our prayer time that helps to get that motor running, and then throughout the day, continue in prayer, continue in prayer. And if your work is such that it requires all of your mental capacity, then take little breaks, little breaks, in which we pause, we pray for a few minutes, and then we go back to our work. St. Paisio says, Look at the case of Martha and Mary mentioned in the Gospel, how mindless care for things caused Martha to behave somewhat impudently. It seems that in the beginning Mary was actually helping her, but when she realized that Martha was nowhere near completing her preparations, she left her and went to listen to Jesus. She thought to herself, am I to lose time with my Christ for the sake of Martha's salads and sweets? As if Christ had come to their home to taste Martha's salads and foods. It was then that Martha became annoyed and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Let us be careful then not to behave like Martha. Let us pray that we will become good Marys. So the awakening of my noose is fundamentally through noetic prayer. That's what that adjective noetic means, is prayer of the noose. And this prayer is a prayer that we say quietly inside of us all throughout the day. When you go and visit a monastery, like we went to St. Anthony's this last weekend, or you go up to Goldendale, sometimes when you're passing by a monastic, you hear them actually saying the prayer out loud. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And that outward manifestation reminds us, oh, that, that's what I should be doing on the inside. Not necessarily on the outside, but continual and perpetual prayer. Still doing the things I'm doing, still completing the tasks that are needed, but then that demon of anxiety doesn't come upon me. Because anxiety is something that is like a lesion on top of my entire life. There are the things, and if I don't have my spiritual eyes, I say, well, those things are causing me the anxiety. That's not true. Nothing is causing anxiety except my absence from God. I'll say that again. Nothing is causing my anxiety except my absence from God. If I am constantly in the presence of God, if I am constantly in his presence, which I know this is extremely hard. So I'm not saying, oh, you can fix anxiety just like this by any means. But we have to know the means forward. If I'm constantly in the presence of God, then, then the things of life are not anxiety-producing, but rather they're just the things of life. I'm with Christ, and now I'm doing these things, but I'm still with Christ. When we visited St. Anthony's, Father Filaretos talked about noetic prayer quite a bit and what that can look like. Our biggest enemy of noetic prayer, our biggest enemy, is that thing in your pocket or in your purse. What are we talking about? That screen. 
This is our biggest modern enemy to noetic prayer, is the thing that we carry around with us all the time, everywhere. Who here in this room is without your phone? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Who here in this room hasn't even turned off their phone, maybe just silenced it? Don't raise your hand. Constantly, constantly, at that moment in our day when we could actually have some prayer, there's just a little natural pause. I have to wait for something. I'm in an elevator. I'm driving somewhere. Well, hopefully you're not looking at your phone when you're driving, but <laughs> even that happens. These moments that we could have had for reconnecting with God, they're taken away. Taken away, moment by moment, every single day. I know it would be a very startling task to ask you, track for one day how much you look at your phone. But even if I told you to do that and you tried to do that, you know what would happen? Even the act of doing that would cause you to look at your phone less. Just the awareness of how much I'm looking at my phone will cause me to look at my phone less. I'll cower in shame a little bit more. Do I really need to look at this right now? If we see those little God-given moments throughout our day as times when we can more concretely reconnect with God, then we won't be looking at our phone so much. It's a very grave, grave danger that we have, and we carry it around with us everywhere. We call it our phone, but that's not even correct. It's like the thing of all things that gives us all things, and whenever we want and however we want, we go and look at it. And we joke around it becoming our mind, right? I can't even remember that thing. I need to put it down. Or I don't know what the answer is to that, so I'll look it up. On and on and on. And our life becomes more anxious and more frenetic. So there's a simple direction. Take those quiet moments, and instead of pulling it out of your pocket or out of your purse, leave it there. Leave it there. Have times of your day when your phone is completely silenced for no reason other than that having it completely silenced will help you. That in and of itself might be anxiety producing. I'm going to miss a text. Someone's going to reach me or try to reach me, and they didn't get through. It can wait. Truly it can. Our Lord said the kingdom of heaven is taken by force. So take it by force. Force yourself to set this aside. And this isn't just a sermon, a homily about our phones. It's fundamentally about taking the time with Christ by force. Not because you have to take it from Christ. He's trying to give it all the time. All the time he's trying to give it. So I want you to hear closely this final quote from St. Paisios, telling us of what's happening throughout our day when we are being busy. Someone asked St. Paisios, does worrying about too many things take us away from God? He says, look, let me try to explain. When a child is playing and is all Absorbed with his toys, he's not aware that his father may be next to him, caressing him. If he interrupts his play a bit, 
Then he will become aware of his father's caresses. Similarly, when we are preoccupied with too many activities and are anxious, concerned about them, when we worry too much about worldly matters, we cannot become aware of God's love. God gives, but we do not sense it. This is the tragedy of our human existence. God is continually caressing us, continually giving us his love. And we, in our weakness, don't notice it. Or worse yet, in our greater weakness, we say, God isn't here. God is absent. I don't feel his presence. Constantly, he is showering us with love, and we're not ready to receive it. Like that little child, so focused on play. But unfortunately, it's not a joyful thing like play. It's the worries and cares and anxieties of life. May God give us strength so that we can take the kingdom of God by force. We can fight boldly against these distractions and return to our news and return to our prayer. Amen.